Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. I think at the end of the day, we have this conception that this is what you signed up for. You go through the four years of going to school, then you go and you work for somebody, hopefully get your CPA in relatively early in your career. And this is what everybody else does. And if you don't see any of the other people doing things any differently, I mean, short on you being extremely creative, which, you know, in our profession, being too creative also could equals jail. So let's try not to be creative, but too creative here. But, you know, essentially is here are the paths that usually lead to some form of success. You go into corporate, you go into public accounting or you go into government and they're all fine careers. It's just that do we all need to drink the same Kool-Aid? Welcome to Smart Strategy for CPAs, where I help you work less and earn more. My name is Geraldine Carter. My guest today is Minnie Lau. Minnie provides tech professionals working in late stage startup companies that are about to IPO guidance on stock option vesting and selling strategies. These tech professionals who work at top levels inside startups about to IPO are going to receive stock options worth sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. Without guidance, not only will they get hit with a giant surprise tax bill, they'll lack a strategy for how to optimize their options based on varying stock prices and other factors. Mini helps them understand their choices. I wanted to have Minnie on the podcast to showcase what's possible in the advisory space. What she's created in terms of consulting packages is outside the box, and it's pretty different from the more common forms of advisory services that CPAs often offer business owners. You'll hear what it's been like for her to transition from a compliance-heavy practice to offering high-margin consulting packages. Minnie is, of course, my client. We've been working together since the end of April to reshape her business so that she can get her life back. For my part, it's a really nice opportunity to have a conversation with a client and dig into some parts of her business that we don't always have time to get to in regular sessions. I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Minnie Lau. 
Minnie Lau, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I'm actually more intimidated than anything because I'm a longtime listener. Let's get the intimidation piece out of the way. What are you, What is intimidating? We talk every two weeks. Uh, it's a little different because it's not just you and me anymore. Like when I talk to you, I feel like I'm talking to like my priests, which Technically, it's true, but it's also not true because I imagine if there was a government subpoena, you would be singing like a songbird. So maybe not like a priest, but close enough. Okay, but I didn't follow any of that. But let's just say that I'm not wearing a collar. No, no, I mean you, you are you, 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 you are my counselor. You're, you're, you're my counselor. But I now know that somebody's going to be listening in that knows nothing about me, and. Now I feel like on the one hand, I want to be on my bestest behavior, but on the other hand, I also want to sound like myself, which means I'm not on my bestest behavior. So you take that however you want to take it. <laughs> well, I think you should just be yourself because that's where the value is for the listener, right? Uh, absolutely. So for our listeners who are just coming into this conversation, you and I have been working together since April. So that makes about five months. Yes. And... Let's start with where you were in your life and in your practice before you called me, just so our listeners know what your challenges were. I am a solo entrepreneur CPA. I started my practice in October of 2013. You know, when I first started my practice, I did what basically most solo entrepreneur CPAs do. You take everything that moves and you pay the bills. <laughs> you know, the, the good news is, um, I, I say this with all the love and affection I have for the universe. The universe has been extremely kind to me in that I started my practice at a really exciting time. And this was the renaissance of the uh, startups going IPO during the years uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I built my practice uh, servicing a lot of early employees of uh, Google and Facebook. And you know, being in the San Francisco Bay Area, I've just been extremely blessed and lucky that I got to see everything from the ground up. And I've also been extremely blessed that uh, my mentors that have basically uh, taught me everything I know were also very entrenched in the space. Uh, so by the time I got to the point where I was calling Geraldine, I had a very full practice, uh, still by myself primarily, but I also had assistants that would help me. Uh, but I was just too, too much work. And I have a one-year-old and sleep was precious and few and far between. And then uh, COVID hit and I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and says, there has to be more to life than this. And that's kind of where Geraldine came in. So when you called me and you found me on Google, right? Yes, I did. Awesome. I love that SEO and a decent website connected us. So when you called me, what were you hoping to find? To be perfectly honest, I wasn't sure. What I was looking to find, all I think I was looking to find was this lady is supposedly proposing that there is a better way. And I am enough of a skeptic to call the lady and to verify if there is a better way. 
And if not, then at least I've made her Google, you know, SEO people really, really happy by at least clicking on the thing. So more importantly was I don't know what you were offering per se, but I wanted to see what potentially was there. Um, you know, it just coincided around April time when you and I connected that my practice was at an absolute standstill. We had just heard that um, tax season was going to be extended and daycare was shut down and I'm bouncing like a baby and I was losing my mind. So it just kind of made sense that I, I needed to see if there was something better that I was going to at least look into it before I go back to bouncing my baby. <laughs> yes, I think that will speak to a lot of listeners. Oh my God, PPP, tax extension deadline, and wow, my kids are at home. Right. So your main thing in a like a slightly different way was the money was not the problem. It was the time that was the problem. A lot of people want to grow their income and you're fine to grow your income, but really your main concern is I need my time back. How do I do that? Absolutely. And you also are in this slightly different situation in that what you were doing was a lot of kind of tax strategy and planning for employees inside tech companies that were about to IPO and what are the implications for their take-home pay, right? And they have no clue that they're about to get hit with a, I don't know, $80,000 tax bill. And they're not quite sure how to like, how to map out all the numbers. And that's where you come in. Is there, is there anything you want to add to that before we go on? Mm, I, I think my practice and, and I and I can share this with the world because, you know, basically the world's kind of listening now. That is I wasn't doing anything different than the rest of us. It was just that I realized suddenly full stop that not only was I doing what everybody else was doing, which was preparing the tax return and doing a, you know, banged up job in a really compressed time, which is what everybody else does. But in between that, I was also providing guidance with regards to what they should buy, when they should buy, how to manipulate the income stream so that we are paying less to the government or being able to better figure out, I, I don't want to say loopholes, let's just call them strategies, so that we are able to improve my clients' cash flow and get them the end result that they're looking for, be it reducing their taxes, maximizing their positions, or something. The, the, the really funny thing is I've been doing that for years, and I've been throwing it in on the house. I just suddenly stopped that one day and says, wait a minute, why am I doing this on the house? Yeah, that'll resonate with a lot of people. But for clarity, you don't do any bookkeeping or like end-to-end -end accounting. Uh, no, ma'am, I do not. And uh, my favorite referral partners um, are actually bookkeepers because they know Minnie hates it with a vengeance. <laughs> so when we started, one of the things that we did was we were trying to pare down your client list because you had so many. I forget exactly how many you had, but it was somewhere up around 200, right? Uh, more than that. 450? No, not that high, but some, somewhere somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, Minnie was saying yes to everybody problem, which I'm sure that happens to more of us than we care to admit. Mm -hmm. But deep down, we're just people that just want to help people. 
I just wish that there was a way for us to either clone ourselves or freeze time. And uh, both of those things aren't happening in the near future. So the way I was coping was uh, paring down the client list. Every single year, I would look at this list and I would cross out some names and there will be some blood, sweat and tears involved. But the fact of the matter was I tried to hire, didn't work out so well. And if you don't hire, you can only process so much. And if you try to overdo it, you're either one, going to make mistakes or two, you just feel like you just don't want to do this anymore. And major burnout just really kicks in. Yeah. Now you're offering consulting packages, right? Where you meet with people just a couple of times to help them understand what the tax implications are of their IPO, right? So what was the process like for you of kind of of stepping into that and setting the prices where we were setting the prices? Oh, this was like the most intimidating thing ever, because how do you put a value on something that you're used to throwing it in? And so this was like the most hilarious conversation because what I was putting together and I thought was Minnie would be extremely ecstatic if Minnie can hit X. And Geraldine would look at me and she's like, you're not pricing this right. And I was like, what are you talking about? It takes me X number of hours to do this. And the best part, I'm not doing it during February, March, or April, or August, or September, or October. What more do you want from me? And then, you know, she smacked me upside the head, not actually, but sort of, and said to me that, hey, it's not about how much you think you're worth dollars per hour, is what does your client willing to bear to get me to give them the keys to the kingdom? The fact that I price myself at X an hour, that's between me and myself. The client doesn't need to know that. And frankly, they don't really care. If you lowball yourself, the only person that's paying for this is me. Like, you know, the client will just be like, yup, We'll do that. Remember one of the first clients I took where I got all excited. I put together this plan and you were like, no wonder they said yes. You only, you know, said this. And then I was like, oh, yeah, about that. But, you know, the important thing is I learned. Yeah. I took a while, but I learned. But the first time is always the hardest, right? And the first sale is always to yourself. And I think it's a really common experience for people when they've been giving their services away for free for so long to start charging hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars for it is really disorienting because it seems so obvious to you. And it's like, doesn't everybody know this or this only took me five minutes to figure it out. Therefore, it can't be worth that much. So those, you know, those first few times going through and charging for what used to be free is, like I said, disorienting and intimidating. And what if they say no, and they're going to laugh at me and they're going to be pissed and I'm going to lose all my clients and they're going to head for the hills. Oh, that still plays in my head periodically. But, you know, the funny thing is, it's like riding a bicycle. You have training wheels. And so, and, and, I, and I'm learning this because, you know, my, my toddler's around 18 months. And so he's now getting to the point where he's old enough that he knows there's pedals, but not old enough to realize what he needs to do with the pedals. I equate my pricing strategy and how I tweak my packages to, okay, what is the goal we're trying to reach here? 
you know, I want to replace my compliance income with consulting income. Okay, got it. But there is no like parameters as to I need to do this in like three months. There, there, there is no right or wrong to this. It needs to feel comfortable to you. And as a result, as Geraldine will laugh at me as I talk about this, that the first couple of plans are like fractional of what I am offering now. But I consider those extremely valuable for three reasons. Number one is I was trying out something new and the fact that somebody bought it, woo, like that, that's awesome. And secondly is I'm still trying to figure out the infrastructure of what I want to offer. And having those lower price points set a bit more confidence in what I was doing because if I am under-promising and over-delivering, that's great for my client. And more importantly is there's, there's less of a pressure to be absolutely spot-on perfect. And in fact, I've actually told a few of my clients, like my earlier clients, that I am piloting this new program. Uh, my, my goal of this is to eventually charge, you know, you know $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, you know, what, whatever the price has to be. But because, you know, you and I are getting started right now and the timing is right, I am willing to make an investment out of you if you're willing to invest in me. And I am going to throw in all these extra peripherals because I got to test all the stuff out. And, and, you know, the fact of the matter is they are my you know, best constructive feedback ever is, oh, Minnie, I never thought I wanted to ask that question. Or, hey, I didn't know I could do that. Or, you know, it, it's just one of those not, you know, trying to charge market value right off the bat was actually one of the most empowering things that I've done. I'm not saying that you should downplay your value or, you know, sell it at a discount forever. I'm just saying I'm giving you permission to you know, charge whatever you feel is right without wasting your time to ascertain the experience so that next time you can hold yourself out as a subject matter expert, because we all are in various different things. I just happen to have found this baby niche um, that, that seems to be kind of cool in the San Francisco Bay Area. Also have some clients in New York, also some clients in LA, but that's about it. Like, I don't really find my people you know, all across America. But for the places that I go, this seems to work for right now. And I'm constantly tweaking the formula. There is no formula. That's that's the beautiful thing about this. No one knows what the hell they're doing. And it's okay. It's okay. There's no playbook. You're inventing your own playbook for how you want to serve your clients. So let's do some specifics because I think that real numbers help people. Okay. When you started, do you remember what you were first offering your consulting packages at? Uh, $2,000. Okay. And where are they now? A minimum of $5,000. More comfortably between $7,500 to $10,000. Okay, great. And that's been, when did you first, when did you sell your first consulting package? You mean the one that we actually started counting? Yeah. Uh, first week of July. Okay. So it's been July, August, September, October, four months. Okay. So in four months, your minimum has more than doubled. It's two and a half X. Okay. 
And how long does it take you to deliver your minimum package right now? That's about $5,000. It depends. Ballpark. Somewhere between four to six hours. And what will your clients say it does for them? I have been able to help my clients cash out enough for a down payment for a house in San Francisco. An average house in San Francisco runs between $1.5 million to $2 million, just to give our listeners a sense of scope. Okay, so a down payment on that at, the, at a minimum is like $300,000. Comfortably. Uh, another example that I was able to do is I have a client of mine, uh, extremely ambitious and bullish at the at how how well his company is doing, and I won't say any more because want to protect the privacy of the of, of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but he only had, and I use the word only here jokingly, he only had one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this exercise, and he has about $2.5 million of stock options, many different price points, many different varieties. He worked for many different companies and more than one of them are going to IPO in the next 12 months. Knowing all those moving pieces and the fact that he only had $150,000 to spend where do we spend it? That was a really, really fun conversation. We looped in financial advisors. We looped in his banker. We ended up finding money under the couch cushions. Like it was, it was kind of crazy. But as a result, we firmly believe that we were able to help him save comfortably quarter million to half a million dollars of potential tax savings versus him doing nothing, waiting for the IPO, and just recognizing ordinary income. And uh, that, and, and the more importantly is he now feels like he's doubly invested in his company because he was this close to basically saying, you know what, forget about it. I'm just going to quit, hold on to my options, exercise them later. And now because he knows there's a waiting game, He's now going to buckle down and double down and stay there for longer, which I think would be good for him. So between a quarter and a half a million dollars in savings, and what was the price of the package, the consulting package that he bought from you? Uh, $7,500. Okay, we're going to come back to that. But first, if you had been charging hourly at your hourly rate, what do you think you would have charged him? Uh, If I was working at my hourly rate, I mean, 2,500 and I would consider it like a good, good day. Huh. Okay. So three times that by flat rating and putting it in a consulting package. It's magical. And there's probably room to go up on that. I bet he thought $7,500 was a steal. Well, the fact that they don't think and blink and they say, yes, let's go for it. It's one of the giant regrets I have in, in the post you know, mini 2.0 world. Like when a client says yes immediately, you know you priced it too low and you could have gone higher. (laughs) If they say yes without even stopping to think, yes, there was room to go up. And on the one hand, money that you leave on the table will be gone in the morning. But on the other hand, if you're delighted and so is he, then great, you learned and you keep going. 
Uh, yeah, but um, I, I keep telling myself that there's always going to be more clients tomorrow and you can always refine your pitch a little better tomorrow. And uh, more importantly is you should just basically take a pause and say $5,000, $7,500. Think of how many tax returns I'm not filing in February <laughs> to make up that money. And then it's all worthwhile at that point, rather it's five grand or 7,500 or whatever, because you are now spreading your time over months that I'm not trying to kill myself during February, March, and April. And I'm sorry, that, that actually means so much more to me than, oh, I just made enough money for me to like take my family on vacation, like, you know, whatever. And money is just secondary at this point. So it's really a matter of getting your time back. Yeah. And I mean, if you're happy doing what you're doing and it's bringing in the money that you want to be bringing in, I mean, you don't have to go for every, you don't have to, you don't have to like scratch for every last penny or thousand dollars of opportunity. You know, if you're, if you're in your happy place, awesome. That's so great. So what's been most challenging for you so far on this path? What's been hardest about the process? Imagine your tax practice is like this loving golden goose. It lays eggs regularly. <laughs> You've been really, really good to it. You've got like, you know, a, a mental connection with your goose and your goose has been really good to you. And now you're basically cheating on your goose. <laughs> more importantly- With a duck? Yes, with a duck. And more importantly is that if the- if the path goes the way that I aspire for it to, sooner or later, I'm going to have to euthanize the goose. And that, okay, yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I can't imagine the words that are coming out of my mouth either. Uh, but more importantly is that this is derailing my career path that I thought I was signing up for way back when. And and I think you hear this from me regularly when you, you say, Minnie, you, you look a little like, you know, nervous or you look like, you know, you're being anxious. Yes, it's because once in a while, I feel like I'm a little disoriented because I deviated and I deviated so much from you know, the, the way, like, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, they're, we're in some kind of weird cult or something. But yes, you know, being a CPA in a small solo entrepreneur practice, this is how we do things. We bill, we 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 have clients, we, we basically, you know, live our lives in between tax seasons. And then, you know, we give it our all during the the months and we we give up our Saturdays and you know all sorts of things and one of the things that I found was really really encouraging was when you emailed me on October 15th and you told me that I was never going to do that again and in fact one of the things that you said to me recently I think you emailed me back and you were like I haven't taken on a compliance client in months and it feels like magic yes it absolutely is although I'm sorry to tell you this I just took a compliance client this afternoon but it was <laughs> it was because it's from like the circle of trust and more importantly the guy didn't know he needs to file an escort and he's now like nine months late like I feel bad so I am going to like you know break my normal mode of things and just basically dive in I love the fact that I now can choose to break my mode of things instead of like, 
this is yet another thing I got to do February, March, and April. I told the guys a one-year project, and then we can find them a new CPA, which you can totally, you know, outsource that for me when we talk about, you know, what we're going to do next. I love that. And it sounds like one of the challenges here is that we're taking you off course of where you thought you were going to go and what you thought it was supposed to look like and sort of being the dutiful accountant, whatever that means. What else has been challenging to you in this process? Disengaging clients is like you just lopped off a limb. Like it was a very, it was a very emotional day oh, yeah. when you made me come up with this list. And to this point, you have no idea how hard it was for me last week when I was literally going through this list, because how do you terminate a six or seven year relationship when you're basically says, I'm sorry, I can't do your taxes next year. It's not you. It's me. Let me know if you need copies of your prior year tax returns. If you need names of local CPAs, I can get them for you. Have a nice life. Yeah, I could see how that would be really hard to send. You're not the only one who finds that to be a challenging part of the process. What's been on the other side of it once you've, in your words, chopped off that limb? Two things came to mind. Number one was I better really land those consulting clients. Mm -hmm. And number two is like, I don't have to deal with that next year. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Awesome. How many clients did you let go of? If I continue down the list that I'm going on, uh, so far I've let go of 32. I believe our list had 50 names on it. Some of them are basically begging me to hang on to them one more year because of PPP. And I am too nice to say no. So I'm really sorry. I don't know if we can get to all 50. I'm trying my best, but it's just, it's really, really hard. If PPP didn't happen, I think I could have been more firm. But hey, you know what? 30, 32, 38, it's, it's okay, right? Like we'll work on it. It's baby, baby steps. Yeah, I'm not going to come after you for those six clients. And PPP has thrown an extra wrench in the whole challenge. So I get it. So when we started working together, how many hours a week do you think you were working on average? Too many. <laughs> Give us a number. <laughs> I would comfortably say uh, during the months of February, March-ish, I mean, until the tap turned off and, you know, July, I mean, June and July, as things were ramping up, I was comfortably looking at between 55 and 65 hours. A week. Okay. So that's not too bad for a CPA during tax season. Yeah, but it was a tax season that never ended. Yeah, yes. And, and, and more importantly is the babies are only babies like this much. Like I can't cram him back into potato stage even if I want to. Yeah. And so that for me made me really, really upset with myself because I wanted to be a good mom, but... I was feeling super duper torn between being a good mom and being a good CPA. Uh, I'm going to share something with you that I never actually told you before, Geraldine. And it was that um, a year ago, before we started working together, I was 36 weeks pregnant on April 15th. And because I was a solo CPA, um, I didn't have the support system I needed to be able to take a proper maternity leave. I brought in a nanny 
three weeks postpartum and I was working on tax return, you know, by June 15th, I was running Q2. That was one of the drivers that pushed me out of this mess because as a solo CPA, you don't trust anybody. You think that you're the only one that can, you know, deliver the keys to the kingdom. Actually, that is not true. It's not that we don't think other people can do it. It's that somehow we either couldn't afford to hire the person that can do it or your clients are just too clingy and won't let go or a derivative of other reasons. God knows what. It doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is I was where I was and I couldn't take three months off to spend time with my baby. And I'm really, really sorry that that is a period of my life I will never get back. And I am going to try to do better now as a mom and to make sure that I don't miss the soccer games and I don't miss, you know, any of those things. Tax season should not derail my child's life. My child should not be missing his mom three months of the year. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And I think there you're speaking for a lot of listeners out there who know that they just get sucked away by their accounting practice, tax season or not sometimes. So how many hours a week are you working now, do you think, Ballpark? More than I should. I'm working (laughs) on it. I'm working on it. I am averaging between 24 to 32 hours a week. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it is because... I have a lot of legacy clients that I used to do a lot of work for free on. And this is the part where uh, Geraldine and I are still working together on how do I dial back the services that I used to give away so freely Mm. and, you know, be able to transition to the next phase of my life. But until we get to that part, you know, there's IRS notices that don't go anywhere. There's amended returns, you know, periodically, but more importantly is Uh, thanks to, and I say this with all the love and affection in the world, I'm extremely blessed. I have a strong referral network, uh, financial advisors, uh, current clients, colleagues. um, They are happy to send people my way. So uh, a significant portion of my work week is to do prospective uh, client appointments to basically get the ball rolling on the next plan that I may sell. So it's very, very exciting stuff. I love it. And so 24 to 32 hours a week compared to, it's so hard to compare last year, but like, how would you say your income is comparing on 24 to 32 hours a week versus like 55 to 65 hours a week? It's, it's really, really hard to compare apples to apples on this, but I can tell you that I'm not used to seeing this much money in the bank. And I know that this sounds really, really like weird, but I live kind of in a world where um, in my old days, I would bill 50% of my retainer around the first week of January. Like most of us, or most of us, you know, bill a lot. And then you would basically pick up the other 50%, at least I do, of my retainer between the months of April through October. And, you know, cause and you're just basically spending and you're spending and you're spending and you watch your savings kind of dwindle from October, November, December, January. And then you're kind of like, oh, good. I've got another set of engagement letters going out. And then, you know, that's when they you replenish the stores. For the first time, in a very long time, 
I have more cash in my bank account than like, oh my God, what am I going to do with this? This is going to bump me up another tax bracket. Like I need to spend this. Geraldine, I'm going to pay you early so that I can try to like lower my tax bill. And yes, she, she, she's laughing now, but you can hear the grimace in her voice. She does not want to recognize the income either. But you know, this is, this is as far as my negotiating powers have, have, have come. Um, so um, money-wise, I'm doing really, really well. And I am making strategic decisions on how much less compliance I plan on doing next year and the year after that. Of course, um, nothing set in stone. Um, you know, the, the world's a very tricky place. But I remain cautiously optimistic that um, if the economy keeps on humming, and you know the funny thing is, you would think of COVID, like everything would crash, and there were like bad, bad things that happened to a lot of bad, bad people. But surprisingly, my clients have never had a better year. Yeah, you know, financially, and as a result, you know, IPOs are going, companies are being getting acquired by other companies. Like the opportunities are out there, and it's. You would not think that there is COVID except for the fact that we're all outside wearing masks. Like aside from that, I don't really feel like my practice has taken a step back at all. My practice has just basically gone completely forward with this extra amount of work that is out there. Yeah. And so a couple of things in there. One of them, of course, tech is doing super well right now. The other one is we don't want to be oblivious to the fact that there are a ton of people out there who are suffering. And there was something that you said in one of our last meetings that your consulting package is one-to-one and it's highly priced. Not everybody can have access to it. And one of the things that I see happening for you that we just started talking about is a one-to-many sort of option whereby you can get this expertise in the people in the hands of people who maybe can't afford to put four figures on it. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to you and what that looks like? Uh, well, I still need Geraldine to figure out the, the nuts and bolts of this, right? This is why she gets paid the big bucks. But more importantly, uh, is that um, this is a passion project of mine. Um, I really, truly, truly believe that not everything can be Googled. And I know that that is the crux of our generation, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. I grew up, you know, Googling the crap out of everything. And it's okay until you realize how dangerous it is to be Googling on tax advice, knowing <laughs> that not everything is specifically tailored to you and your particular tax situation. This is the reason, kids, why they say an asterisk, consult your tax advisor. So, you know, one of the things that I would really, really love to be able to do is make this knowledge a little bit more accessible so that they too can come to, you know, getting relatively focused on tax advice. Like for example, I live in California. Most of my pra- pra- my clients are in the San Francisco Bay Area. I would love to basically run a boot camp of some kind that allows San Francisco Bay Area tech professionals to participate, where we learn how to digest their equity package and to make some meaningful conclusions with it. And I've already been chatting about this with a couple of financial advisor friends of mine, and they're absolutely delighted with the idea. And so we may collaborate and maybe, you know, help people figure out, you know, it's not just a number on a page. 
this actually could be life changing if you know how to manage it, just like every other thing you manage in life. Oh, yeah. Interesting. More to stay tuned to for sure. So is it fair to say that you're working fewer hours and earning more than you used to be? Yes, that that would be a correct statement. Okay, great. We love that. What surprised you most about working together? Um, I, I think the first one was how strong the negative voices are in my head and that we can accomplish anything if we truly put our minds to it and we're desperate enough to actually devote, you know, everything you've got into it. I know that in the beginning when you were thrown, because um, in the beginning when Geraldine and I were working together, she was getting to know me, I was getting to know her. And she gave me a couple of different paths based on my clientele that I could potentially go into. I could have gone virtual CFO, which is a very, very hot thing right now. And I think that's also a lovely market for people who enjoy that kind of thing. Um, You could, you know, do all sorts of different consulting things. And you know, even though she gave me a very lucrative business model, something didn't ring quite right in my head, despite the fact that logically, it sounded like that was the no brainer. We should have just basically like ran home with the virtual CFO thing. I could have made like buckets of money. It's all good. I've got the connections. It would have been great. But I think I would have been not quite as thrilled with the end result. And I really, really think I surprised Geraldine a little bit because we both didn't think we were going to get to this point. We, she probably thought I was going to go somewhere else. And to be perfectly honest, so did I. And it was just by her telling me, okay, sit on this for a while. We'll talk in two weeks. And then two weeks would come by and she's like, well, what do you think about that? And I was like, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but I've got 415. And she's like, okay, cool. Let's talk in two weeks. And it was my entire fault. I punted this. You know, I did a little bit more soul searching than she wanted me to because I kept having some kind of tax deadline and I kept promising her that life would get better. And lo and behold, I think I may have surprised Geraldine on October 15th when suddenly all the things I said I was going to do, I actually did it. And she didn't know what to do with me. And I think she was very, very shocked. Um, But, you know, what I'm surprised with and the process is I didn't realize that, you know, there are many paths to get you to the same goal. And what I also didn't realize is that There is no right path or wrong path to get you to that goal. And more importantly is you got to trust yourself to jump off the path to get you to these goals. Because if somebody were to tell me a year ago, I would be doing this, I'll be like, you got to get out of here. Nobody in the, nobody in the right mind would pay for this kind of thing. But I'm telling you, people in the right mind are actually paying for this kind of thing. And it's actually kind of (laughs) cool. So many true things in there. And just for listeners, because I think this is such a, it's such an emblematic story of how it goes working with people is that we don't know, we know that the, we know what the problems are in that working too hard and not making as much money as you want to be and kind of miserable with the mountain of compliance, right? And we want to shift that game, but I don't know where the right path is. And 
I, you know, I don't, ha- I mean, I have some options, but I don't come with like a menu of all predetermined options with all the ingredients all mapped out. We, that's what we do together is we figure out where your heart sings, what kind of services that is, who, who it is that you like working for, what kind of results that they want. And we kind of build the map together as we go. It's not like, I don't, it's not like Google Maps where it's all been mapped out and you just plug in the destination. It's like, we're doing it on the fly. Every person is individual. Every person comes with their unique strengths. So to work with you individually to figure out what was going to be the best for you was so super fun to watch. And you're absolutely right that on October 15th, I was like, wait, what? You just did all of that? (laughs) When were you doing all that? You know, when my mind is not burdened by tax returns, I can actually multitask. (laughs) It just just took you six months to realize this. (laughs) So I I recommend you basically bottle me up for the next six weeks before you lose me again for the next tax season. So imagining that there are listeners out there who, you know, have a giant load of compliance headed their way. They're maybe not even dug out of PPP and still dealing with forgiveness and the whole bit. And they know they want something different, but they're not sure what that is. And they're not sure where to get started. And they've got all the doubts, hashtag, about why it won't work and how they can and so on. What would you say to them? Okay, I would say to you, this is normal. You're feeling the way you're feeling, it's, it's normal. And I'm really sorry to tell this to you. If you don't actually make a meaningful concerted effort to change, nobody is going to change this for you. And I know that sounds really, really bad, but I come from a place of love that it's either you change on your own or the world will change for you and rest assured you do not want the world to change you you want to change the world yourself and i say this and they say please pick up the phone and call geraldine it is really important to not walk that path alone you can go with an expert like geraldine but if you're not willing to pull that part yet Talk to another CPA friend. Just don't talk to like your partner because your partner's not going to get you where you want to go. Remember, they still want you to buy their firm so that they can retire. So don't talk to your partner, but talk to anybody else that is not your partner and see what they say. Or maybe you could talk to your partner if they're actually supportive of like you changing. But I find that talking to folks that are much, much older than us and in a completely new chapter, they are, they can't see the possibilities the way that we do. But I will say this one last thing. Um, I have, you know, friends of mine that used to be newspaper journalists. And they are lovely and they are wonderful. And they wrote such lovely things in the newspapers and all the newspapers went away. And now what happened to them? I really hope this doesn't happen to us anytime soon. But I suspect the way that we are functioning now is not going to last forever either. It is in your best interest right now to make a change now before the change happens to you. I love that. When the internet comes for your business, you better watch out. And that was not meant to be a PSA for coaching with me, but (laughs) always happy for the plug. Thank you. If it it happens, 
happens that way, I, I, I don't, you know, um, I will take that fruit basket whenever you get around to a journey. <laughs> I'll be sending you pears from Montana. <laughs> oh, I live in Idaho now. I forgot. Minnie Lau. Oh, okay. I did not know that. All right. Uh, happy moving. You're going to get potatoes. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, t- I'll take your potatoes. Thank you. <laughs> Minnie Lau, thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Minnie, for coming on the podcast and sharing about your journey with listeners. What stands out to me is that when it comes to transitioning your practice to high margin work, there is no Bible, there's no single playbook for everyone to follow. I'm currently working with nine CPAs and accountants right now on this transition. And yes, while there are shared fundamentals, No two clients have created the same set of advisory services. Everyone is creating something different that uniquely suits their talents, their interests, overlapped with what their clients need and value. If you want to do high value, impactful work that comes easily to you and for clients you enjoy, it requires writing your own playbook. If you want to hear other real-life success stories, check out episodes 103, Cash Flow Forecasting, Niching, and Raising Your Rates with Emily Sandberg, and 53, Adding Advisory Services and the Power of Niching Down with Tracy Jepson. If you want to create and offer high-value advisory and consulting services so that you can earn more and get your life back, I offer a variety of ways to help you do just that. Check out SheThinksBigCoaching.com for solutions that fit inside your time available and what you're comfortable investing. If you're not sure what the best option is for you, just put 15 minutes on my calendar and we can talk about good places to start. You can change the nature of your business and live the life that you want. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.